Welcome to Growth Mindset On. I'm Krishna Kruchanu, your host, and the objective of this podcast is bringing you conversation with change makers. I will be interviewing inspiring people in order to equip you with the mindset needed to achieve success. Hi, Mario. Uh, welcome to Growth Mindset On. I'm so pleased to have you here. And I would like to introduce yourself to, to our listeners. Hi. Um, first of all, thank you so much, Christina. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone that's listening. My name is Mario Ferrer. I work as a UX writer for King Games, the makers of Candy Crush. Um, just to give some quick insight, a UX writer is someone that works with, let's put it easy, with words inside a product team. So you'll have your developers, you'll have your product managers, you'll have the, your designers. Everyone takes care of something. And what UX writers do is we take care of language and how we integrate that into the whole ecosystem to make sure that your product and our service in the end will have a much better user experience. Okay, that's excellent. Um, one thing I'm curious about, uh, Mario, is uh, what is the difference between UX and copywriting? Is it the same thing, just for, for, uh, to get more insights into that? Sure, uh, this is a question I get a lot, so this is, this is great. Um, so I, I see them, let's call them like cousins, let's just to use a, some sort of, of analogy. Um, on one side, you've got the copywriting world, and that is much more on the brand side, on the sales side, on the marketing side, right? The thing with uh, the main difference is, is copywriting it uses a much more persuasive language. And what they do is they try to get people to come into your product and service. And they basically focus on very specific, very well-targeted messages. On the other hand, you've got UX writers. Yes, we work with marketing from time to time, but what we normally do is we're sitting down with the product team which means our language is much more clearer, it's way simpler, and it has to be useful because we're guiding the people that comes into our products and services to make sure we help them so they can continue and complete their task or goal they're set out to do. And also we don't focus on just one particular message, we look at the full flow, at that full user journey. So let's say, coming back to the cousins thing, if the copywriter brings people in, once they're inside that product and service, UX writing takes them and leads them across to make sure that they get what they were set out to do. So basically, the, I would say the main three differences are, one, the use of language, copywriting being much more um, persuasive in a way, while UX writing is much more useful. <laughs> Second one would be copy, copywriting sits with brand marketing or advertising, advertising uh, agencies. While copywriters, we sit down with UX team and products team. We're normally in that. And the third is copywriting looks at one particular message or one screen, if we want to call it like that, while UX writing looks at the full flow. And I think definitely that's uh, super important, as you were saying, in order to kind of um, guide the users through the platform. Uh, basically, I, I think it's, that's, that's definitely uh, super important. Um, I was wondering, how did you get into uh, UX uh, writing? How, did, how was your journey to, to it? Um, it? Actually, it's, 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 uh, I'm, I'm discovering now and now that I meet more people that do UX writing. That's a pretty standard 
journey for a way because UX writing is something that's fairly new. I mean, obviously there's always been people that wrote for software, but it wasn't sort of like a thing. So I'm advertising. I started my career as a copywriter. So that, that meant I used to write for video ads and radio. I used to write for radio. Oh my God. And wow. print ads and billboards and all of those things. But then uh, when I moved from Mexico to Barcelona, that was 2009. So there was like no jobs in advertising at all. Mm. So I was lucky enough to start working at tech companies because they were starting to look for writers, but more on their brand side. So I was still being a copywriter, but I was working within, uh, within, te yeah, within tech companies and, and startups. And then when I joined King, I got sort of myself embedded into the UX team. I was, and uh, the term UX writer wasn't quite around, but that's what I started doing. And I started learning by asking uh, like a gazillion questions and reading everything they would throw around me because I found myself that they were talking about things that I didn't know exactly what was happening. So they were always talking about, let's think about how the user is going to approach this. Let's think about what's going to be the interaction. And I was there like, I'm here and I like what you're saying, but I don't quite get it. So I started like reading everything I could about human computer interaction. I started reading blogs, books, just getting, getting a feel for what was this whole user experience thing, right? And from day to day, day to day, asking questions, I sort of shifted away from writing these very persuasive messages, like great landing pages and things like that, to going into like the realms of microcopy, right? Where you have to be able to explain a whole bunch of stuff in eight words or less. Or when you have a button that you only have one or two words and you have to be... You have to make sure that people understand what's the action after that. So it was a very, very big shift in the mindset of how I was working, but it was also a great shift for me in the fact that I wasn't writing as much as I was in the past. Yeah. It was more about understanding what the user needs were and how we were going to translate that into design, including obviously interactions, layout, graphics, copy and then how would that translate in, in with, with the development team so it was it was it seemed like a very natural flow but now that i'm thinking about it it's like a huge mental shift yeah because it seems like like basically besides the the the, the mental shift that it requires you know from going from white probably like uh, long copies and uh, it seems like a little bit the message it's kind of unidirectional because you're just targeting you want those people to buy or you can um, try to trigger some kind of actions from the user and, and it's always buying the service or or consuming more and uh, whereas on on this other side with the ux writing it's also, it's about guiding the users you already have in the platform uh, and it seems always you have in mind the user it's 100 percent. it's not like so much about um how would i say about um selling to them is the ones you already have in the platform is just guiding them and ensuring them that their experience is um uh, you know as uh, outstanding as possible in order for these users to come back or have them spend more time on the platform or don't confuse them yeah that, that is correct so coming back to this uh question we had about the difference between one and the other. Mm -hmm. So when when people reach the state of the things I work at, yeah. pretty much they've already been sold to, right? They're, they're, 
they're from either hopefully familiar or they're returning and they know. So that means marketing and sales have done their job. So it's now our turn to take care of them, right? So people already know what they want to come to do, or let's say they're maybe a first time uh, user. So you have to make sure that if they're a first time, the UX writing with the onboarding process is very clear. Mm. So they know and they understand what they're here to do. If they're returning customers, just help them mm. get to wherever they want to go so they can do the things they were set out to do. Because you have to think we're all doing a gazillion things at the same time. So the less and less things you require from your user, the better, because that means the mental load won't increase. Mm. That's why we, there's, there's three things that so it's sort of like our motto. When, when That's not mine. It's like yeah. every US writer's motto is like, Microcopy should be clear, which means f free of any words that are complicated or are very industry heavy or that are, well, not clear. Yeah. It should be concise, which means straight to the point. I, I have this great example that when I started working together with uh, the UX designer, I would start writing like our onboarding is like a story and everything is like, this is great and this is very nice, but this is not a book. You've got eight words to explain to people what is it that they need to do. And that was like a, like a eureka moment, right? So it has to be concise. It has to be straight up to the point. People don't have time to read your book. If you want to, read, if you want to write a book, that's fine, but then go do it somewhere else. And it has to be useful, which means I have to be thinking of where people are coming from and where they're going to. So it's not just about this moment, this screen is I need to understand what information they already have or what are they looking for and what is the action they have to perform. So that's why we always speak about this clear, concise and useful. Yeah. And, and, and I was wondering it because sometimes it's, um, I suppose you kind of get lost, you know, you need to have the user really like thinking as your user, you know, being because they yourself, you know, the product inside out, you think that people won't, won't struggle. And uh, sometimes, you know, you, you need to, to have that um, insight of the, of the users uh, constantly or, or just stepping in their shoes and constantly think as the user, you know, it's my first time here, I need to do this. And I, I think sometimes it's difficult, you know, because you need to kind of unlearn the stuff, you know, uh, in order to, you know, to do your job better. Uh, so it's, it's Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, one of the, like, two of the biggest maxims in, 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 in UX as a thing is empathy. And second is you are not your user, right? Because as yeah. you well said, we're very used to doing things. So... Yeah. There's several tools that are super helpful for this. And uh, one thing that we started doing a couple of years ago is what we call uh, creating storyboards or scripts. Mm -hmm. So even before we start going into like the designing, because when you're a designer, especially or when you work in user experience, the first thing you know is like, let's start creating these boxes. Let's see how we're going to put stuff in. Let's check out the layout. So we decided to say like, okay, stop. First, let's understand what are the user's needs mm -hmm. and what is the message that we want to give to them, right? So what we'll do is, and it sounds funny, but we'll write sort of like a script for a TV or a, like a TV episode wow. where we describe what's happening because that helps you, like you said, unlearn, take yourself out and really understand what could potentially be happening. 
obviously this should be based on research, which means you know from all your big data what is the type of, of user that you have, but you should also be able to access thick data, which means user research to understand what are their needs, what are they really looking for, why do they come to your product and service. And then there's some other things that uh, you need to understand what language they use. Because as you well said, we might have very specific words for things, but maybe people outside call them a completely different thing. So if you want people to search for your product and service, you have to get closer to the way they speak rather than you trying to explain mm. or make them change. See what I mean? It's always easier for, uh, for the digital system to speak closer to what the human does than trying to get the human to speak like the digital system. Yeah, 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 yeah. I completely agree. Wow, it's so interesting. You know, I'm I'm learning so much stuff as uh, as you're speaking. You know, because it's uh, it's difficult. I think that unlearning process is very difficult. You know, in order to um, constantly be thinking and have the user in your mind and you know step up of who you are as a person or what you know, the knowledge you have of the product you're building. And I think that's super crucial. And uh, probably I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong or if you want to add on it. Uh, there are some um, I don't know, uh, companies or, or products themselves or, uh, who, who probably are not uh, as user-friendly uh, as they should be just because they failed at doing that. Um, okay, so this is a tough cookie because the thing is, I wasn't there or we weren't there, so we don't know exactly yeah. what were the design decisions to lead to that specific thing. Mm. What I can tell you is most of the times, words tend to be an afterthought. Mm. By that I mean... 10 years ago, UX design used to be an afterthought. So we are the afterthought of the afterthought. What happens? You're, most of the times, it's the product is ready. The mm. dev have done their job. The design is ready. It's looked great. It's filled with everything. Everything, the interactions are done. The layouts are there. The visuals are stunning. And when you're ready to ship, you just realize, oh, yeah, but we still have Laura Mipson here. And that's what happens because the words or the message come at the end. And the problem is you shouldn't, it's just, it's just yeah. like chicken and egg story, right? It's, yeah. well, you should do content first so I can get my designs right. Or you should do your designs first so you get the content right. No, it's, you have to work together because sometimes you're, the moment that you realize that content is not there to fill up space, mm. but rather to help you balance it out with your design to provide a message, the easier it is to understand that you need to start everything from the beginning because you might have a call to action that looks super great, mm. but then you realize that there's not enough space and that'll break your designs. So yeah. it's pretending to do like quick fixes all over the place. It's just easier. Trust me. It's just easier to start together from the beginning because you'll realize maybe what you're trying to do here makes sense. Maybe this is not the right place for this. Maybe you need another page. Or maybe um, this onboarding, instead of being five beautiful steps, you can do it in two steps. I don't know. So mm -hmm. it's more of a not having all the skills from the beginning rather than not, not thinking about the final user. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm hoping that everybody that ships a product or service, they have a UX team and that, that UX team is also battling for that. The, but the crazy thing is writers are still... We're, sort of like with the battle drums all the time, trying mm -hmm. to knock on all the doors to to be able to 
to get a seat in the room where things happen. And it's going to take a wild product or a new feature. You'll have your devs, you'll have your PMs, you'll have your designers, and you have your writers too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 completely, I completely agree. I think, in fact, you are working towards that because I've been following you for some time. So you're kind of trying to uh, evangelize or uh, tell, you know, uh, uh, people or uh, product owners or companies that this um, UX should go hand in hand with, with product management and should be from the very beginning. Um, I, I, I kind of follow you for some time and this is one of the things you're, you're, you're fighting for at the moment, no? or at least the evangelizing uh, around. And I think it's definitely, as you're saying, it's super important, you know, it's not leaving to until the last minute because I think working with you, a UX team, as you were saying, it, it helps to better define as the steps or better have in mind um, constantly the user and how, what is the message we're giving the user and align that with the product. Correct. And, and for, uh, yes, I, I, like you said, I'm, I always think I'm fighting the good fight, right? Let's see. <laughs> Time will only tell because what I really need people to understand is that this is not a moment. It's actually a movement like you're stating because mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of products and services out there and the ones, and it's really, really hard to make that difference because pricing, we're not in the sixties and the fifties anymore. Mm -hmm. Pricing won't cut it. Huge ad budgets won't cut it. You need to make that thing. That separates you from the rest. And if you think about very successful companies, most of that that thing or that extra element is how they treat users. Oh. So yes, I mean, ideally, that's uh, that's that's the idea. Yeah, basically, you're you're also doing um, uh, you're organizing a meetup here in Barcelona, right? Read me if I'm wrong. Related to UX writing, so you're kind of uh, really into promoting UX writing, making it kind of turn into to be recognized, you know, to 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 be a, a given a momentum that it deserves, as you as you were well saying. Well, that that is correct. Um, it, there's several of us. It's it's uh, we have a group that's called uh, UX Writers Spain. And we, we just had our first meetup a couple of weeks ago. And the idea is that to help more people first understand what UX writing is and what it can bring to the table and how it can help product teams work better. That's on one hand. But on the other hand is we're also trying to help people understand how they can get into it because we get a lot of questions from like copywriters or technical writers or marketing writers like, okay, so that's interesting, but that's just writing. So that means I'll, I'll just call myself a UX writer and that's it. So for us, it's like, well, you need to understand these things first in order to do this job better. So mm -hmm. it's like, we're the same as you. We started the same as you. We have same chromosomes. We're not different. We don't have any special superpowers. We just treat uh, words differently. So yes, in a way, it's, it's, I thought uh, when we started this group, it's sort of like a, like a platform, help people understand first, what is it that we do? And second, how how they can benefit from it. And I mean, we've, we've only done one meetup for now and it was, it was, it was pretty successful. We've got really nice feedback and uh, we're having our next one on the 10th of April. So if anyone, anybody wants to join and if this podcast reaches before that, then you're, you're more than invited. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a, there was a waiting list, so I couldn't make it, but uh, hopefully I'll make it to the next one. I think I already okay. I already signed to to the meetup. So so that's excellent. And uh, regarding this, it was a question I was going to ask you towards the end. But uh, what 
do you think uh, makes a new ex um, a good UX writer? What, what is the background uh, needed in order to to go into into UX? Okay. Um... The first thing you need to be really, really good at, because that's the hardest thing to teach, is you need to be really good at writing. Mm. Because at least for me, it's very hard to teach someone to write well. That is something you, have, you must have, which technically, if you're a copywriter, if you're a technical writer, or if you're a marketing writer, you should be covered. So that's the first step. The second step is you should be someone that's open to learning a, a different approach. And also someone that's very curious, that's willing to ask a lot of questions because at the beginning, it's very different from what you do. Also, you'll find yourself that it's not about writing anymore. Hmm. Like those long gone are the days of like, yes, I'll take my laptop and I'll go to like uh, my special corner and wait for inspiration to hit me and just come up with this amazing landing page. That That's not going to happen. Because when you're here, you're, you're, you start working as an actual designer, which means you need to be really good at stakeholder management. You need to be really good at transmitting information. Mm. You need to be really good at when you're presenting your decisions, make sure how you articulate those design decisions. You have to be really good at negotiating. It's a whole bunch of stuff that you don't do when you're a marketing writer or a technical writer or a copywriter because back there you only get a brief you you might do a contra brief. I don't know. It depends what the system is. But then you go out, you go do your thing, you bring it back, and then you start the feedback loops. When you're a writer, it's different because you're part of the initial team. So you are the one responsible for making sure that the words are taken care of and are there. But you also are responsible that the layout works, that the graphics work, and that whatever comes up with the code, you're there to help in any case. I'm not saying that you're starting designing or coding or anything, but you need to understand what's behind what the rest of your team does in order to, to, to be able to work together. So it's, it's sort of like when, when, when you come from a writing background, you're used to working by yourself. And here it's definitely, even if you don't want to, you need to work as a team to make it happen. So it's a, it's definitely a, a big change, but it's one of the sets that is necessary. As you were saying, I think it's there is a lot of management. In fact, I've seen that you have like the product owner title certification. So I suppose that's one of the things um, why you need to have this product owner or product management type of view to know what it's happening in each area and uh, align everything, make it go uh, attain the same objective, which is always, you know, have offer a great UX experience to, to the users. And it has to be a team team job because, uh, you know, with the UX, with the product owner or the developer. So uh, everything has to be aligned and, and kind of bring the same message in terms of product, in terms of uh, everything should be, should be aligned. Exactly. And, and see, for me, is uh, it's, it's very interesting that you bring that up. I made that, I took that course to take the certification because I wanted to understand what it takes to be a product owner. Mm -hmm. And I have nothing but utmost respect for all the juggling that they, that these people need to do on a day to day basis. But for me, it's like, I'm, I'm not pretending to be a product owner or a dev or a designer, mm -hmm. but I need to understand what makes them tick. I need to understand what's their language. So that way, when I'm trying to communicate what I need from them, I'm capable of transmitting them in something that they'd understand. Mm -hmm. So, cause everybody is concerned about something different. So you need to be able to understand again, to empathize, to put yourself in their shoes of why they're having such a hard time 
with something particular on the process or why they're having such a hard time because their layout is not fitting or why they're having such a hard time because there's some problem with the code. You can't pretend to do what they'll be doing, but you need to at least understand what's happening. And that'll make the communication flow easier. Because for us, since we're like the last ones to the party, in a way, everybody like looks at you like, okay, you're here, but we're not sure if you should be here. So when you start to speak to them in a language that's theirs, in concept that's theirs, and they see that you're just like, oh, okay, you're cool, you can stay, you can play, that's fine. It's, uh, it's uh, fantastic, all of this, um, you know, ins and out of what it implies to be a UX writer. I think it's it's very important also to know for the people who want to get into this field and or, or the people who who don't necessarily want to do this, but it's very important if they work in product or if they're thinking of starting a, a company, this is things that should be considered beforehand. And I think UX is one of the, the keys that make a successful or not, as you're saying. So basically one of the things I think it's, it's kind of difficult, how you define the, the tone and, and voice of your UX writing, because um, there is a tendency to be as funny as possible in terms of the messages that come out whenever there is a, an error how do you define that like in terms and also to ensure that it's aligned with uh, your product and with your service of course you cannot come up with saying i don't know oops oh my bad or type of messages when i don't know you're sell uh, selling something super corporate and uh, your image is very very formal so um, what is the balance between between you know uh, being useful to your users and uh, at the same time, funny or uh, whatever, if it, if it should be like this or not. And, uh, you know, maintaining the, the, the branding and the, the, the tone of your company. Since we're part of the, of the UX team, we're also responsible of balancing user needs and balancing business needs, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's a huge part of our job. So with tone of voice, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more complicated than it seems. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, you need to make sure that you have an alignment with uh, your marketing department and your legal department also, and your product department. Because first you need to understand what your product does in order to be able to set that, right? So what tends to happen is you create some guidelines where you explain if, like they say, if you're going to have a formal approach or you're going to be a casual approach or if you're going to be a friendlier approach. That depends on your product and service, and that's something that has to be a very conscious decision from the start. Now, that said, is like even if you are a friendly, uh, if you have a friendly product or service, that doesn't mean you'll have a joke or a quip every single time. Because normally, what you do is, whenever you're preparing, let's say, for example, the onboarding, what you do is you map out your user journey, and then you have to map out what are the sentiments people are having at that particular moment. So when they're in, they might be a little bit nervous because it's the first time you do it. So you have to start mapping out the ideas of how you're going to communicate it. So you might have a friendly voice, but the tone here will not be super quirky. It'll be reassuring because you're welcoming them someone in. You're still being friendly, but you're being reassuring. So the voice should always be the same and you should have something plastered on the wall so you remember but the tone might change. Because if someone is having a problem, again, tone changes. But if you wanna congratulate someone because they've completed a purchase, tone changes. Mm -hmm. So the voice is always the same. The tone changes or should change accordingly to the user journey. 
when I came to um, to this event where I saw you speaking, uh, I remember you were saying, and I really found that advice super useful, is that text and image should not be complementary and uh, have full significant text should have full significant on its own in case you know the image doesn't load or and I found that very interesting because. Sometimes we, we think, okay, the image already adds uh, more information onto the text and they complement each other, but you're, you're highlighting the importance of a standalone text that gives the message needed. Yeah, in, in, in that particular case, it's also for accessibility support because yeah. people that can't see or use screen readers, they navigate by blog. So you have to make sure that all the content, depending on how they're navigating, they'll get the message. So I'm a big fan of uh, show, don't tell. So if you have an image that is powerful enough, you don't have to repeat whatever's there on the image. You do need to have something that, well, in a way, continues that message. Again, it depends on, it's very complicated to, yeah. to give you like one concrete example because every single product and service has their own ethos. So it's, it's, it's complicated to, to pinpoint yeah. things out. You just have to make sure that both things work together to deliver that message. And if one thing fails to load, in this case, for example, the image, that if you have that standalone text, that should, the user should understand the information from that also. Nice. Uh, going back to the, to the uh, tone and voice of the company, um, how, how can you test it? Like if you know if it's working, uh, working properly or, or, or that's the, 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 time, the tone or the voice you want your company to, to have? Okay. Working so, well, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I completely get that. The best thing is to get some user research in place, test it with actual users, show them. Uh, if you don't, if you have the budget, do a very nice prototype and show them both options and see what happens. If you don't, it's as simple as get being scrappy, start doing paper prototypes, go to a cafeteria and show them like, what do you understand from here? What do you understand from here? It's just about understanding what people get from from your message. Ideally, you want to get people that are actual users or potential users or users of product and services, let's say, around what you're trying to do. If you can't, you can always try the, the, the guerrilla way or the scrappy way because it's very important that, that people get what you're trying to tell them. Now, here is there's a, a caveat to that because if you're a bank or if you're a financial institution or if you're a lawyer's office, or if you're government, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be super yeah. like jargony and legally and like have like this huge distance because we're, we're an institution. I mean, you've got banks out there like Monzo in the UK, for example, or you've got uh, examples here in Spain like Fintonic mm. or N26 from Germany. These are all banks or they're all fight or they, they work with money in the end mm. and their tone is completely different because they're very approachable. Because if you think about it, it's crazy. If you're talking to someone about money, you as a user want to understand what's happening to your money. So these people are starting to understand. And you've got things like the government of the, of the UK, especially they're really good at language because they understand that whatever they publish, people are gonna go there because they need to get some benefits or the NHS, I mean, their life might be in danger. So if they understand what are the words on that screen, that could potentially save a life. So there's no need to be like super pompous about it if you can deliver it in less, in, in, in less words and something that's simple to understand. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely. They just def- get the, the, the message across, which is, I suppose it uh, depends on the target or on the objective of each product uh, or each website that we're trying to do. So as you were mentioning out the um, NHS, you know, it's, it's super important to get the message across as important because, you know, it's life-saving, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's super important in that case. And um, I suppose this goes in line with uh, how do you measure the impact of the copy or uh, if it's... Uh, the right one i suppose a b testing would be one of the of the uh, methodologies or tools that come up in this to know you know um if this specific word is is is, is um, useful or not or is uh, having the impact um it should have uh, according to the company needs or the business needs as, as you uh, very well mentioned before so, so this is something. Uh, it, it's measurable. You can you can measure, or um, how do you know exactly that you are using your you are on the right track with your with your UX copy? Yes, uh, like like you said, basically your first option will always be A/B testing because you'll see, and it sometimes it 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 feels weird, but sometimes it's down to words that you change that might make a really really big impact. Um, but you also can do user testing because something that you consider that is easy to understand and it works, you put it in front of people and they'll be like, yeah, I don't know what you're trying to say here. And that hits you. I mean, that's the moment when you realize, okay, so yes, I need to go back and we need to redo this. Because yeah. the great thing is like, again, we, you shouldn't try to test copy by itself. You should always have it in the context. So even if when you're doing that A-B test, make sure it's in a context so people will understand what's happening. And same thing when you're doing a user test. But I, I'd say the, the ones that, that will get you a much clearer idea is sort of a balance of those two. Mm. Because yes, definitely we work like every product team should work in, in iterative processes. So the only way to make things better is to make sure that you're able to measure them to see how you can get a much better result in the next, in the next iteration. So, um, any uh, uh, regarding this, the same uh, the same topic, any uh, any company or any uh, any study case that you say that it's using uh, UX uh, writing in a very efficient way? I don't know. As I'm speaking, it just comes to me. A type form. I think that's definitely one of the things that really uh, turns them into a big success. Is uh, uh, is basically their UX. Um, you know, they define themselves more human type of uh, uh, type of thing. Probably you know much much more about it, but it just came to me uh, this example. I don't know if you can can think of uh, add on it or uh, you can add um, any other examples that can be useful to the listeners and also know what is an example of very good copy or UX, uh, you know, or kink, you know. So. <laughs> For, for starters, yes, Typeform, I think they're doing a, a great job, but that's pretty much in their DNA. They were founded by designers, and so you can definitely see that all over the place. Um, other good examples are Slack. Slack does a great job with everything because the, even the smallest notifications, you'll, you'll see that everything has been thought over and over again. Uh, you've got, again, Monso in the UK, who's uh, they're a bank, and... Their UX writing is very, very interesting. You've got Shopify also. They have a, they actually released their um, their design system, which is called Polaris. And you can go in there and you can have a look at, at how they how they lay out everything that has to do with content and writing, and it's just amazing. 
let me think well spotify spotify they do a a very very nice job also i mean there's there's a whole bunch of people yeah and a whole bunch of companies out there that are starting to have a look and one of my suggestions is if you like the way a company is writing try to see who is the actual writer for that and follow them on twitter and ask them questions and they'll be super 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 helpful and, and i found that people are, are are very open to sharing their their knowledge they might not go they might not go into like in-depth things from the company but uh they will definitely share share tips and tricks so yes, I guess I guess this would be some some good examples. Just like you, you know, yeah, I reach out to you, you know. I'm doing the podcast basically to learn more and uh, because I'm super uh, fascinated about about this uh, entrepreneurship and definitely I think UX is one part of them. And I just reach out to you and you're just here uh, educating all of us. So uh, so thank you for that. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say educating. I, I would say just sharing sharing yeah. the bits and pieces that I've been collecting in a way. No, no, but th thank you for the for the opportunity. And uh, basically, uh, regarding Slack, you know, I, I I think they definitely became very good at it because it was such an innovative product. Uh, if I remember well, I read something about them, and they really struggled a lot to explain users how their product worked, and they didn't know. I think they did so much testing in the very beginning because. You know, it's such a uh, such a new tool that people were not able to use it. You know, passing from from using emails uh, to using this tool, uh, I, I if I reckon, yeah, uh, well, uh, they one one of the things they were struggling so much to think about the different message and how to make people, as you were saying, UX is about that to make people do what they uh, they want the tool to do. And uh, it's uh, it's it's fantastic that you brought that that example because I think it's a it's a really a really clear example about that and i think they're constantly improving and uh, renewing also their their design i've just recently uh, seen the the logo uh, change which is even that like sometimes whenever you do changes and i uh, probably you, you you know that a lot it's um, if you were to change your branding or it's maybe very confusing for your users and you have to be super careful uh, of any any change in the company it has to be aligned uh, with with the, with your users you know so so that's a little bit dangerous ground and it has to be at such a such an important decision and it has to be so well studied and backed by data uh, in order to know that you are you are heading in the right direction and you are not uh, losing with users on the way just because you did uh, i don't know a change in the tone in the branding or uh, in the type of message you're giving yeah and, and this i just remind that this just remind me about a, an example that I think it was on Google I.O., I think it was 2017, the team of UX writers, they, it's a very interesting talk on YouTube. I'll, I'll send you the link after. They were, they were explaining pretty much what they did, right? And they took center stage of Google I.O. It was like the first time ever. And they have this example that, that, uh, that I like a lot. is like on Google Travel, they, they used to have the phrase, book a room, right? Yeah. And they changed that to check availability, it's changing the words, because they found from research that people, when they saw book room, they felt like, okay, wait, no, let me, let me browse first, let me check first, and then I'll think about booking a room. For them, at the beginning of that, well, booking a room is the action they want to perform. But now the reality is people wanted to browse and check first, and then actually do the booking room. And don't quote me on this, but I want to say, because the video says, I think they had like a, 12% increase 
on uh, CTR, mm. which if you think about it, a 12% yeah. increase at a Google level, that had mm. millions and millions of people. So by changing just two words, it made a huge difference. Wow. So poor, poor UX guy, you know, like, uh, because imagine if he, if he went wrong, you know, uh, uh, he would lose like many millions. So any decisions? We wouldn't know about it. <laughs> so, uh, so, wow, wow. That's such a, such, such, such important, you know, to bear in mind this, the difference, you know, and, and I really like that you you uh, try to kind of give the importance which it should be given and try to, to kind of um, bring awareness about it. You know, I think it's very important. As you say, it's such a, a new thing and some companies probably don't, don't, um, don't have it in mind as they should be in order to improve their products. So, so you know, I'm happy that, that you are there uh, kind of evangelizing and, and bringing awareness about it, uh, at least, and helping other, uh, other people who are willing to get into it to know how is the situation and, and how, what can it be improved. And, okay, and also another, another thing, as you, you were saying, regarding this company, you know, who, who probably are not so aware of this, what advice would you, would you give uh, probably like small startups or finding their way out uh, in order to bridge the gap between, uh, uh, between the tech team and the um, UX team? Um, explain a little bit more probably how, how do, how do you, the UX team works and how do they organize themselves and I suppose they work, work hand in hand with design but yes which, which type of advice would you give on, on that okay so for me the, the, the key right there is like you shouldn't be needing any bridges between UX and development you should have just one team and, and you can call it product you can call it whatever you want to call it but they should work together from the get go so if they're working on sprints everybody's on the same sprint. If they're working on Kanban, everybody's working on the same thing. Because if you start trying to get one group to understand the other group, it's going to be very hard. If you put them together, it's still going to be hard at the beginning for them to understand each other. Mm-hmm. But again, you need to have different skill sets in the same table to make sure things roll better. Because as a design group, you might have something that you want to create or something that you want to do, something that you want to design. But you need the input from the dev to tell you, like, you know what, this thing we're doing, we might have these limits. Or, you know what, this thing you're doing, it's great, but we could do this, this, and that. I'm sorry, but you can't pretend to know it all. So if you don't have the other skill sets around you, it's impossible because you, you keep working in silos. So I think one of I think the, the, the biggest suggestion here is don't, if you're starting, I mean, if you already have a company, make sure you get a sledgehammer and break those silos down, right? There's, there's this, this really nice example that Sarah Richards gives. She's, the, she's actually the, let's say, the person who coined the term content design. She used to work for GDS, mm-hmm. and now she's a consultant. She always says, like, it feels like you're doing something, then you get against the wall, and you throw it up the wall and hope the other team will just get it, look at it, understand it, and then do the thing and just throw it against the other wall. So you can't work like that. So if you're starting... From the get-go, get the people inside the room. Get everybody to work together, everybody to put in their information. Because that, when you have all that diversity and all those perspectives, trust me, your product or service will be much, much better because it will be richer. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's, I think, definitely that's such a, such a good advice to consider. And I think not only UX, but any, like any type of um, companies should definitely bring you know, their people together, no matter the 
the departments they work on, because I think sometimes, as you are saying, you know, they work very hermetic departments and they do communicate into each other. And definitely, I suppose, uh, that's where uh, Agile comes from, bringing people together, enabling communication, uh, facilitating information uh, from the different departments and they have people working together in order, you know, to, to build better products. That's, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah, the dream. Yeah, it's difficult because you know companies are super big. It's different, but you know uh, there we are uh, going for it. So and uh, working towards it. So that that uh, that's great. And uh, one uh, the last question, um, but not the least, is uh, what would you recommend people um, who want to get into uh, UX writing uh, in terms of um, I don't know if they want to apply for a job uh, in that term and they don't have any experience because many of the tech um, tech jobs at the moment it's like they're very brand new and there is no experience you know and um, yes how would you uh, what, what would you recommend these people to do okay the first thing you will need is you need a portfolio so it doesn't matter that you haven't worked in anything specific for like writing for interaction or UX writing but you've done some writing before right mm -hmm. what's really interesting at least for us when we hire people is we need to understand what's the thought process behind the final product. I mean, it's great that the final product can be really nice, but if you are not capable of telling me what are the design decisions or what are the writing decisions that got you to that place, then it's not very useful for me because I need to understand what was that role that you were playing there. Let's say if you create a landing and as a copywriter, you just did the writing. So tell me a little bit. It was like, what went into that writing? Where did you get your information? How did you know this was the right tone? How did you know what the audience? So all these things, it's very important that they're reflected in a portfolio. It's very different from a design, like a graphic design portfolio, because yeah. graphic design portfolio tends to be super pretty, or copywriting portfolios tend to be like, this great I, I did for this huge company. Yeah. Now here it's like, I need to understand what was the process behind, what was the thinking behind to get there. That's one thing. Uh, the other thing is you're going to have to start reading a lot. Blog posts, books, if you can. Watch talks on, on not just UX writing, but you need to go take a step back. You need to read about what UX is really all about. So you understand, like we were speaking at the beginning uh, about this whole empathy movement about how you need to think and put the user in the middle before everything you do. There's a whole bunch of things that uh, are triggered by psychology. So if you have a if you have a friend that knows about it or that study that, ask them how the human brain works. Because in the end, when you work in UX, what you're trying is you're trying to trigger different parts of the brain to help them do something. So we always say is like if you understand what the rules are, it's always easier to get to do your job, right? And it comes to things like the science of how you read. I didn't know, I just realized like every time you read, your eye jumps from bits to bits. So mm -hmm. if you, there's a word that you don't quite understand and your eyes have to go back, that means you're increasing the mental load of the person. So the easier it is for, to read, the more words that people are used to it, the easier the flow will be, which means you don't make your brain overload. And your brain doesn't like thinking, even if we say we do, your brain doesn't like thinking. So these type of little things, mm -hmm. You won't learn them at school. You won't learn them by working as a, as a regular writer. You need to understand. So pick up books. Pick up books like Conversational Design by Erica Hall. Pick up uh, Content Design by Sarah Richards. And uh, get, get on Twitter 
ask questions, get on Medium and check everything that you can find with the hashtag UX writing. Yeah. If you have any friends in UX, go buy them a beer or buy them a coffee or a tea or a hot chocolate, whatever it is, and ask for some time and ask questions. What is it about? What do I need to know? What do I need to understand? Because yeah. the more you get into this whole way of working, the easier it'll be. That's uh, that's fantastic, uh, Mario. Thank you, thank you so much for um, for your uh, your time. And I think this is um, super aligned with what you just all of these tips you are giving uh, to people who want to get into UX. Uh, it's something that it's super aligned also to to the name of the podcast. You know, growth mindset on because it's about constantly. And I think it's uh, no matter the job we're doing. Um, it's um, it's about learning and, and, and finding out and just be curious about it. And if you have any curiosity, just go and satisfy that curiosity, no matter how, you know, if it's through people, if it's through books. And uh, that's definitely, it's, it's aligned to the, to the objective of this podcast. So uh, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure and I, I've learned a lot and I've been taking notes uh, all the time. I love to, to listen to people and take notes because I feel like I learn more rather than listening, just listening. And uh, I can't wait to share this with the audience. Thank you, Christina, so much for having me. And if there's one thing I would like your listeners to take with them is the fact that words are also part of the user experience. Because you'll realize that even tiny words can make a really big difference. Thank you.